Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground. The three spooked girls. Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. It is I, one of your co-hosts, Jessica, and as always, I am joined by my jolly friend Tara. Hey, spooksters. <laughs> Sorry, I did not expect that. I I didn't either. Just popped into my head and then out. So obviously, this is the holiday month. We, Tara and I, are very much into Christmas and all of the joyous occasions that happen in December. So this episode, we are going to be talking about Christmas monsters. Yes. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. But before we get started and into our topic, let's just take care of some housekeeping stuff. Like, where can you find us on social media? We are on all of them. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, because I guess there's more out there. I just don't know where they are, and I barely know Twitter, so... If you are looking to connect with us on those, our handle is at Three Spooked Girls. If you want to hang out with an amazing community of spooksters, head over to our Facebook group. It's amazing. Every single day, I am always, always, always blessed by just the interactions that happen. I know they seem like fun and interactive, but they kind of are this like life force of our community. And I love it so, so much. Mm-hmm. That group is Three Spooked Girls Official. Just head over to Facebook. It's a good time. We do a lot of things in there. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash Three Spooked Girls and join our Patreon for as little as a dollar. You get bonus content. The $1 tier, you get a bonus episode each month. If you're a $2 and up tier, you get Jessica Slaughter's movie reviews and plotline or as affectionately known as Slaughter's. And $5 and up patrons get the wonderful, amazing Haunted Grounds, which if you're waiting to, you know, make a decision on that, you should, because Tara does an amazing job. She talks about a haunted possession and brings you a caffeinated beverage. It's amazing. I love it. And it's video content. So you get to see us. And sometimes we wear costumes. <laughs> yes, we have a couple times. Mm-hmm. And right now for December, while supplies last, we have our awesome Krampus sticker, Jessica, made. But you have to be at our five or higher tier. Brand new. Can't cancel and come back. We've been asked that before. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and they're super, super cool. I got one for myself and Jessica's got one coming in the mail too. So yeah. Yay. Yeah. We have awesome content over there and there's a lot of backlog on over there too, guys. So like if you're looking for more content than what we have here, we have like two years of content <laughs> over yeah. on our Patreon as well. So definitely worth checking out. Now we're going to take a very quick promo break and then we will be back to discuss the drink of the week and all these ghoulish Christmas monsters. See you in a minute. What was that like? is a true story podcast like you've never heard before. These are clips from a few past episodes. There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom. My friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had told me multiple times that he's going to set himself on fire. If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you. And he was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. And I jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. Real people in unreal situations. Find it on your favorite podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. Hello, friends. Take a dive into the unknown with the Anomalous Fascination Podcast. A new podcast where I research and discuss some of the most incredible and unexplainable phenomena, people, and historical events in human history. Episodes are packed full of incredible stories, theories, and mysteries, all in short, family-friendly, and easily digestible format. Prepare to be blown away by the mysteries of the universe, or, at very least, you'll be a lot more interesting at parties. To hop in, search Anomalous Fascination on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. And don't forget to follow the show at AnomalyPod on Twitter. Let's take a stroll, shall we? Well, welcome back from that promo break. We hope you enjoyed it. And before we move on and Tara tells us about her first holiday monster, we're going to bring you the drink of the week, which is a gingerbread martini because it will make sense with one of my monsters. Ooh. Yes. You're going to have to make gingerbread syrup unless you have that already, which you might. I don't know. You could be bougie. I don't know this. But it it's vodka, Kahlua, Bailey's Irish cream, the gingerbread syrup, half and half gingerbread cookies that you can crush up and put on the rim or in it if you just want to live your best life. Dunk it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then whipped cream to garnish. So you can find that recipe tomorrow on all the socials. So I'm excited for that. Super good. I love gingerbread. I think it's the most like underrated holiday snack because people just make the houses and then they throw the houses away. Yeah, I like the cookies too. Well, I'm going to hand it over to Tara now and she's going to tell us about a crazy holiday gnome. Yes. Okay. So this one, he is called or they because there's more than one. They're called Tomtin or the Tomte, which Tomtin means that. They mean the same thing. <laughs> but if you say the Tomten, you're saying, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like the, the gnome, basically. So you don't say the Tomten, you say the Tomte. <laughs> I learned that in the comments of YouTube. <laughs> I love that. I love when people like actually know and you're like, oh, I apologize for my unknowingness. 
Right? I was like, I'm glad I got this. So the Tomte comes from Sweden. He's described as the Christmas gnome who appears on farms. And he is believed to actually be the spirit of the first farmer on the homestead he's at. So a gnome ghost kind of situation. Kind of liked it. Mm, I like it. And he is described as having a white beard and a red slouchy hat. Now, there are different types of Tomte and their clothes can vary. The ones that live in the stables with the animals, they are said to wear mostly gray clothing, while the ones that are more the domestic ones that live in the house, they wear some gray, but they also wear blue or dark green. And they're believed to be there for the protection of the farm, the animals, and crops. And in some newer versions, because there was some footage of like an animated special or something, he is said to bring gifts to the good children, like little things for their stocking, basically. Got it. And there's actually, I think like one or two, possibly two children's books, because when I was looking up this creature, a lot of the YouTube videos were readings of this. One was most definitely a teacher, like a virtual learning situation. She was like up in the little corner reading it and stuff, teaching them about like Sweden and stuff. And I was like, oh God, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here, but it's public. So (laughs) it's on YouTube. You're like, I'm in this class now. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I'm in your fourth grade class. It's fine. But whatever. (laughs) What's interesting about this gnome is that, yes, he's originally attached to the farm, like I said, but if the family were to relocate to the city away from said farm, it's said it would go with them and that during the spring and summer months, he sleeps beneath the floorboards. Uh Right? It's like a little like guardian of your family. It's so cute. I love that. Where does he sleep? Not in those times of year. Uh, He's just like out and about doing his stuff. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I was going to, I was like, did they kick him out? Like, is he just like sitting in the street staring at them? Oh my God. No, 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 no. Winter's like his time to shine. So that's when he's like out. Uh, that makes sense because he's a Christmas gnome. Yes. Now, the Tomte likes tradition and it's super important to them because they do not like change at all. They like things staying the same and they are said to demand respect. And it is said that you can offend them by being rude or if you swear, dirty the outhouse or stables or treat the livestock poorly, he will not like you. And it's also said that if you end up spilling something in the house, you need to yell out a warning to him so he doesn't accidentally fall or splosh into this mess because he's a gnome. So if you spill a little bit of soup, it's going to be like a big ass mess and a big old pool of soup to him. Oh, no. He's like, (laughs) there's an ocean of soup in the the kitchen. Whatever will I do? Poor guy. Right? And so besides that, another way you can upset him or upset them, because there's multiple, is if you mess with his Christmas porridge. This is the one thing he requests every year to have on Christmas morning. And it is important to note to make sure you include butter on top because that is his favorite part. And butter, as you guys may know, used to be like a luxury type of food item a long, long time ago. So people think that's why the gnome thinks very highly of it. Plus, it tastes good, you know, that kind of thing. So if you don't offer him the porridge with his butter or offend him in the ways I told you, there are consequences. 
The main way is that he'll play pranks on you, so kind of like a Yule Lad feel a little bit, such as binding all the cow's tails together, turning objects upside down, or breaking things. (laughs) I really like this little dude. He sounds super awesome. Until now. (laughs) Oh, no. But like I said, the porridge is of high importance to him, so if you fuck with that, he gets a little more serious. There's one story in particular that one Christmas Eve, a girl decided to play a trick on him. And so she actually hid the butter in his porridge at the bottom instead of on the top. So when he saw it, he thought there was none on there. And he went to the shed and killed their best cow. Oh, no. Yes. And he did this as a way to be like, I don't appreciate what you did and da 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 that kind of thing. But after this, he went from the barn to go, you know, he left there to go eat the porridge anyway. And once he was eating, he discovered that the butter was at the bottom of the bowl. And then he felt guilty for killing the cow. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you should. He fixed it, though, or tried to fix it. He felt so guilty that he actually went over to a neighbor's farm, took their best cow, and brought it back for the other family. (laughs) Just kidding. I fixed it. I promise I fixed it. (laughs) So that's a cautionary tale for you. But I thought the Tom Tay or Tomton was really interesting because... Here in the U.S., gnomes have gotten really popular with, like, Christmas decor the last couple years. Yeah. So I thought it was cool, and my daughter loves the Sherlock gnomes in Gnomeo and Juliet movies. Oh, those are good ones. Yeah. So when I saw he existed, I was like, okay, we have to talk about him this year. I like it. Now it's my turn. Yes. So I'm going to be talking about a completely made-up one, which I did not realize when I started this that these were completely made up for just a movie, but (laughs) I have now decided that they should become completely and totally Christmas lore because who does not like crazy kamikaze gingerbread men? I'm so excited. I love this. So last year, if you remember, we did a Krampus episode and I reviewed the Krampus movie. And I think the year before, Tara reviewed the Krampus movie. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Why we're not doing Krampus this year, guys, because like we've kind of done Krampus. Yes. (laughs) With that, there are three adorable little gingerbread men in this movie and their name is Clumpy, Lumpy and Dumpy. And aren't those the most adorable names? I love it. And by the way, Tara, one of them, I'm pretty sure it's Lumpy. He's voiced by Seth Green. <gasps> you know, my love. Oh, patrons know. <laughs> Jessica loves him. <laughs> I loved him. Let's put it that way. I mean, I still love him as an actor, mm-hmm. but not as much as I used to love him. <laughs> anyway, so they are demonic gingerbread men that help Krampus terrorize his victims. They first appear and have become this, like, widespread sensation online. If you Google them, people have created fan art. People have created like little strips of cartoons with them in it. They're very adorable because I think it's like one of those things where you're like, hmm, you're the most adorable little thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, you are murderous and want to kill me. (laughs) So they first appeared in the 2015 movie Krampus. They are described as food-like sadists. I think that's my favorite description of them ever. (laughs) How it appears is if you've seen the Krampus movie, at this point in time, all this shit has been happening. I can't, I didn't rewatch it, but I watched the part with these three adorables in it. They're all like sleeping in the living room because so much fucking shit has happened that they're like, let's all stay together. (laughs) So they're there. And this, what I can only describe as a Dudley-like child, Dursley people, is sleeping. And then this little thing comes down the chimney and it's a cookie. 
and the kid is like, ooh, cookie, and goes and picks it up. Here's my first warning for everyone. If you are having a traumatic event happening in your household where everyone has to sleep in the living room because bad things keep happening, it's probably a very bad sign that there's a cookie hanging from a chain in a fireplace. (laughs) This kid goes over and gets the cookie in his hand and is like, oh, cookie, and then takes a bite of the cookie. And then the cookie comes to life. And at first it's like really cute. It's like, ah, and then it realizes the fucking giant bite out of its head. And the cookie then steals the child. And Tony Collette is almost taken with him with the child. If you haven't seen this movie, you should definitely watch Krampus. Just saying. Please do. It's so good. Very good. So then then a little later, they come back and they're actually quite murderous. In fact, they figure out how to use a nail gun. Yeah, they do. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, they work as a team and Lumpy has a nail gun that he likes to shoot at people. And it's at a character called Howard, who I cannot remember what his name in real life is, but he's an anchorman. He plays a champ and he's like got a gun and i love it because like one they kill by lighting on fire and then it kind of just like falls apart and dies one howard the guy with the gun shoots him and blows him up and then i'm pretty sure it's lumpy is left and he's got this like candy cane that has (laughs) it reminds me of like when you're a kid and you like suck on a candy cane until it's you know a weapon yeah it's all pokey and stuff at the end Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it is and then howard's like ah because i think he might be i don't know why maybe he's out of bullets i don't know but he's all like freaked out and like hiding and then the dog eats him (laughs) and they're just so adorable and honestly i feel like there needs to be more on them out there there needs to be some more lore out there so i am challenging our spoosters to please write some fan fiction on these little guys i'm gonna try They're pretty amazing. Like I said, if you haven't seen this movie, you should do that. I mean, because there's so many other characters in that as well. But when I saw them on the list of Christmas monsters, I was like, yes, I definitely need to talk about them. And they're so adorable because they look like the cutest little gingerbread men. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love like things that look cute, but also are creepy. Yeah, me too. I mean, I have a fuggler, so come on. (laughs) Exactly. I love. I also love that their teeth is just like their smile, like melted, and they open like screaming. They're they're great, right? I know. Again, if you haven't seen the movie, you should. And hopefully by this time next year, there will be some more fan fiction or some sort of fiction on these characters out there. There's not a lot. This is basically it. They're really interesting, for sure, for sure. They're adorable. So before I hand it over to Tara, we're gonna take a quick moment to hear from our sponsors. Be right back. Looking for the ultimate stocking stuffer for this holiday season? Look no further because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below the belt grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they've just been released across Europe, Canada, and Australia. It's honestly always so hard choosing stocking stuffers for Matt, but I got him some goodies, including the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which is a spray-on toner that will give your man's balls a little slice of heaven with their aloe vera and hazel extracts. And the Foot Duster Deodorant, it's designed to keep the stankiest feet smelling fresh, so I thought it was perfect because he wears boots all day to work for long hours. Nice. I did some holiday shopping too. You know I had to get the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents, and has an amazing light on it, which we talked about a while ago. 
Yes. Oh, my God. We're obsessed with that light. And the other great thing is these formulas are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So you know their products are legit. Whether it's for your partner, dad, brother, or friend, get them something they will actually use, and it's almost sure to get a laugh. For sure. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SPOOKEDGIRLS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SPOOKEDGIRLS. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Okay, well, we hope you enjoyed that message from our sponsors, Manscaped. And I'm going to hand it over to Tara, and she's going to tell us about another character that is a holiday monster. Okay, so this time I have one that we have never really talked about or anything related to her. She is the zombie Christmas horse. It's the Mary Lewid. It's finally time. I feel like every year we look at her story and the tradition with it. It's true. But it just doesn't really fit the theme. But this year she made it. She's here. She's here. Yay. Yay. So Christmas zombie horse. I love it. She is a South Wales tradition. And it's not exactly clear how far back things go with her, but there is a note of the Mary Lewid tradition dating back around the 1800s or so. And this was when the popularity of hobby horses came about. And if you're like, what's a hobby horse, Tara? It's a horse-like costume that was worn by the socially elite at different celebrations such as May Day. In current time, think of those inflatable costumes that have like the A and stuff. It was basically a horse. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> I love it. And then this died down around the early 20th century due to the fact the church saw this as something related to Samhain, which we've talked about in other things. They thought it represented a, quote, death horse. So they, of course, did not want their townspeople to participate with the Mary Lewid. But the tradition revamped and came back alive around 30 or so years ago. Nice. Yes. So if you're unfamiliar on what she looks like, it's actually pretty fun and the tradition that goes with her. So this is a tad different than the other creatures we've talked about and the last one Jessica is going to talk about because this is more so around a tradition of this figure versus being a like, you know, folklore creature, if that's that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what she looks like, one, there will be pictures on socials, but she's actually built by the townspeople and it's like a really communal thing. So groups of people will get together for this to put them together. And I'm going to explain like what she looks like because it kind of gives a bit more context for theories of her meaning behind her a little bit later. So what she looks like is she has the actual skull of a real horse that they use and they attach that skull to a pole and sometimes they have it so the mouth they can like open and close it to make it look like it's talking. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's funny to me. Oh, no, this whole thing is so entertaining. You're going to love it. And with the pole, it's a person, you know, holding it, moving it along. So think like stick horse type of situation, but it's like, you know, being held in the air. And then to conceal the person holding it, there's either a sheet or a woman's shawl to cover that person. 
with that, they don't just leave it plain. They actually make it really pretty and they decorate it with a bunch of like ribbons. Sometimes there's flowers and different things. I've seen some pictures with like some bells, things like that. And what's cool is the ribbons and other decorative things are actually donated by the women of the community members who are building her. So like the men that are putting her together. It's like their wives and stuff. So everybody gets involved. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And the Mary Lewitt is actually said to be a positive figure for the holidays, even though she is kind of a little spooky looking, you know, because the whole horse's skull thing. And as far as like her background goes, some say that her name Mary comes from the Virgin Mary. Which would make sense. Mm-hmm. And that the reason it's a horse's skull is to represent the mule that was ridden by the, quote, holy family, like when Jesus was born. So if you go with this, this could suggest that even though the church fought this tradition, it could have some kind of biblical roots, possibly, which is kind of ironic. (laughs) Some are skeptical about this, though, and like to lean towards the most accepted translation of the name, which translates to gray mare, and that horses are a sign of fertility. And people get that thought because of the fact that there was, I don't know if they still do this, but there was traditions of brides and their grooms riding on a horse together after their wedding, and they had to let the horse take the lead to take them home. They couldn't guide it. They couldn't pull it. They couldn't do anything. And if they interfered like that, then it was said to bring bad luck on their marriage and any, you know, their family building future and things like that. Sorry, I'm just thinking of like a, a dumb horse. Right. Horses are very intelligent, but like sometimes you get that one, you're like, oh no, that one's not smart. And just like wandering around, <laughs> like we're never going home. Right. I know. Now, it seems like the time this takes place varies per town. So overall, it's obviously in the winter and in December and whatnot, you know, it's typically over like a there's a span of like six weeks through mid-January this can occur. And some areas say they do this celebration type thing the whole week with Mary Lewid, while others have like a specific night. It just kind of depends on the town. So after they get her built, there's a few key players in the group that goes around with her. Like I said, there's the one that's under the sheet carrying her, you know, being that character. Right. Mm -hmm. And next, there's a man or a gentleman, as they also call him, who leads her. And typically he's dressed in like very nice clothes or a suit, something like that. They say like dressed smartly. And then on top of that, there's two characters called Punch and Judy. (gasps) Punch and Judy. I know who they are. Yes. And typically they have a broom with them and uh, we'll go more into their little activities in a minute. It is said that this is a happy celebration, so positivity again, and that the groups, you know, the men, because even Judy and Punch, they're all men, and they'll begin drinking and, you know, like having fun, things like that, and then they go around the neighborhood, their neighborhood, and they choose a house, and the group will be singing and whatnot, and on their way up, you know, or whatever, to the house that they choose, so tenants know they're coming, and once they're walking up the walkway or what have you, it's Starts with the woman of the house, typically, and she says or sings, quote, did you lock the doors? The way cell boys are sure to come here to sing. 
and this would alert the family to lock up the doors and the windows because the point of the group is to come convince the tenants to invite them in for drinks and food and stuff like that. After this, the man of the house will come to the door. He won't open it. He'll stay on the other side. And the tenants and the group outside will begin essentially a sing-off type of thing. They poke fun at each other and the group is trying to persuade them, you know, to let them in. And the tenants, you know, they're supposed to provide excuses and whatnot. And this can like go on for a while. Sometimes it could even go on for hours if they want it to. And I was watching this one YouTube video and there was some examples and I'm going to read through those just so you guys can get a feel. This is kind of how it goes. So it says Mary's party is what they're called. So Mary's party outside. They say, well, here we come innocent friends to ask for permission to sing. The person inside the house says the cats and the dogs are running for the holes from listening to such voices this night. Mary's party then responds, now listen, funny man, your breath stinks through two yards of oak tonight. And the tenant says, you'll stand outside for a week and part of a fortnight and a month if there because this night. And Mary's party replies, oh, tap the barrel, let it flow freely. Do not be miserly to singers. And the tenant says, Jenkins the priest is coming, I swear, and he'll make you leave my dwelling. And then, you know, they like eventually are like, okay, okay, come in, whatever. They also have this little song that they sing when they leave. And I'll read that real quick before I tell y'all what they do inside. So when they leave, they say, she's a lovely, lively mare. Thousands praise her. Her head is famous and naughty. She's full of unsurpassed medicines. The pretty mare is starving and the little ass about to collapse from wanting some to keep them alive. Give them something to comfort them. It's basically like feed us, that kind of thing. But anyways, so like I said, eventually they they do get to come inside, right? And I mentioned Punch and Judy have brooms, right? Well, it said that they actually go through the house and they sweep it. And basically this is seen as like a type of cleansing of the house or a blessing to the house and they're sweeping out the negative energy and negative spirits. So that's a nice thing. While Mary Lewid is said to be wreaking havoc, quote, quote, basically acting crazy and running around the house and chasing the children and the women. And basically the gentleman leader is like acting like a trainer at this point, trying to, you know, make her stop and all of that stuff and just, you know, causing craziness. I love it. Yes. But they say the reason that she focuses on the women and the children goes back to that fertility thought. And that's why she focuses on the women instead of the men. You know, she's like like giving them the juju or whatever, I guess. Then the group will all have, you know, like some drinks and hang out. And then the group is on their way because they did what they wanted to do and go to the next house or go do whatever. It's just one of those things that is definitely not what I expected when I would read some article, like, you know, the lists about Christmas creatures because it'd be like zombie horse and you think it's going to be like this big scary thing. But it's actually sounds like a lot of fun and I'm very jealous this is not a part of my life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like the more we like investigate Christmas lore, we're like, why the hell are we not doing this? Right? Yeah. Milk and cookie tradition. Pfft. Right? I know. So boring. So boring. I want a zombie Christmas horse that's going to give me good vibes and all of that. <laughs> that would be so much fun to do. Right? 
But yeah, that's the Mary Lewid. I love it. I'm so excited for your last one. Sorry. I know. Tara's <laughs> very excited. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about gremlins because they are a Christmas monster after all. Now, here's the thing. Up until yesterday, I had never seen gremlins. I don't understand, guys. I don't fucking understand. If you haven't seen it either, fine. Make Jessica feel better and tell us. But I'm like, this is one of my favorite movies to watch during Christmas time. Like, legit. I have a gizmo on my desk. Have had him for years. Which I'm obsessed with gizmo. When she told me this, I was like, what the actual fuck? How have you not seen this movie? How? (laughs) I will tell you how. <laughs> this is, I think, the logic of it. Again, if you go back, if you've listened to us for a while, and if you haven't, let me let me tell you. I have a stepbrother, and he used to torture me psychologically, but in a fun, loving, like, older sibling kind of way. Not, like, trying to fuck up my childhood. <laughs> basically, we watched Edward Scissorhands, and then he told me that Edward Scissorhands was a nice guy, but he didn't like little girls. And... That he particularly wanted to attack little girls. I was a little girl, therefore I was afraid. As you should be. Right. So I have a very like love-hate relationship with things that are in the horror category. Can watch Michael Myers stab someone. Can watch Jason break someone's back by like snapping it over his knee. Creepy monsters? Mm Mm-mm. Demonic things? Mm Mm-mm. Can't do it. Just can't. Mm -mm. And Gremlins was, I think, part of that because it came out in 1984. I am going to review the movie, guys. But before we do that, we're going to talk about where Gremlins came from and how the actual lore of the Gremlins ties into the movie. Because fun fact, it really does. So Gremlins are a folkloric mischievous creature that cause malfunctions in aircrafts and other machinery. That's what they do. And there are so many different descriptions out there. There is a lot out there around just like different versions of what they could look like. And the most common one is described as an animal with a spiky back with large, strange eyes, smallish claws, and very sharp teeth. The term gremlins came around in the 1920s, and it actually originated in the Royal Air Force, so like with Britain. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And it was with pilots who were stationed in Malta, the Mideast, and India in the 1920s. So basically, anytime something would go wrong, they would be like, oh, the gremlins did it. Which, if you remember at the beginning of Gremlins, the neighbor is like, oh, they, they put gremlins and all their stuff like going off on that. Gremlin is actually derived from the Old English word gremain, which means to vex. It first appeared in our literature that we know of in 1938 by a novel by a pilot whose name is Pauline Goer. It was the novel The ATA Women with Wings. And there is a specific area called Gremlin Country. And it was like this mystical and rugged area that things would just like randomly happen with planes. So they called it the Gremlin Country. And it was said that gremlins that were, this is what it was, scissor wielding gremlins would cut the wires of biplanes when their unsuspecting pilots weren't paying attention. So causing them to like crash and malfunction. Oh, good. <laughs> you know the the story BFG? Mm-hmm. By the name, and I can never say it, Raoul Dahl, saying his name probably really wrong. It's the author of BFG. Well, his first 
children's novel was called Gremlins. And it was because he served time in the Royal Air Force in the Mideast and he had heard this story and he basically wrote it about all these tiny little men that lived on the fighter jets or the fighter planes. And he kind of brought it to the forefront of literature outside of a very specific, I mean, like, unless you were into planes or were a pilot or that kind of stuff, you probably didn't read Pauline's book. But I mean, he wrote so many great children's books that probably other people got it. So flash forward to 1984, which is where we're headed now, guys. Gremlins came out in 1984, and it is an American comedy horror written by Chris Columbus and directed by Joe Dante. And it was distributed by Warner Brothers. Its release date, again, I love that Christmas movies come out in June. This came out June 8th, 1984. It's so weird. I thought about it. I Okay, like nowadays, it takes what, like maybe two to three months from the time a movie's in theater to the time we get it. Like we can purchase it on like... Amazon Prime video or something. It's not a lot. Even now with COVID, it's pretty much simultaneous. You can just pay extra and buy it before. I think what it was is that they released them enough time for people to like it and then want to purchase it to come home like as a Christmas gift. So that's kind of my thought. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, I remember even in like late 90s and even early, like very early 2000s, movies did take a fucking minute to become available. It was at least six months, Mm -hmm. which is why it like throws me off now because I still in my head think like, oh, it's going to come out in six months. It's no big deal. (laughs) And all of a sudden I'm like on Amazon Prime scrolling through on Prime Video. And then it's like, would you like to purchase this? I'm like, oh, you exist now. (laughs) Right? I know. It's so instant. Though I'm not going to make the mistake of buying any more Disney movies with owning Disney Plus. Tara knows this. I bought Frozen 2. Two weeks later, Frozen 2 came out on Disney Plus. I bought Onward. The next week, it came out on Disney Plus. I'm like, why don't I ever just check ahead? I just don't. It's okay. Here's a fun little tidbit for you guys. You know I like to talk about boxed, like budget versus box office numbers. So the movie was budgeted for $11 million, which is kind of a big, that's a big thing. It had a lot of special effects in it for its time. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It box officed $212.9 million. Wow. Gremlins did extremely well. Okay, so let's talk about the plot of this movie. So it opens with this guy by the name of Randall Peltzer. And he's basically this inventor that doesn't make good inventions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is it? Like his shower buddy or whatever it's called or his bathroom buddy is just like, oh. I mean, part of me was like, that's cool until it like squirted all over him. And then I was like, no, thank you. Right. (laughs) So basically he's out trying to sell this device and he comes across this like it's in a Chinatown portion of a city. I don't know what city it's in, but that's it's in a portion of that. And he comes across this little boy who takes him to his grandfather's shop and he's trying to sell the device, but the guy's like, no, thank you. And then he's looking around for a gift for his son, Billy, and he comes and finds this really cute, he hears this little critter make noise. And it's this little guy who's known as Magwe, which in Cantonese means devil. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. And Randall's like, I have to have this for my son, Billy. I'll pay you $100. And the grandfather's like, no, I can't have my freaking fluffy little cute, adorable thing. And he's like, I'll give you $200. And the grandfather's like, they take much responsibility and goes to walk away. And, and 
the kid, the grandson, is like, it's cool. Just go outside and I'll sell him. So then he goes outside. The grandson sells him the little creature. And there are three rules that must never be broken. The first rule is that you cannot expose it to sunlight or bright lights because it doesn't like it. Sunlight will kill it. You cannot let it come in contact with water, even drinking water. And you should never feed it after midnight. Very important. Very important. These are very, three very important rules. So Randall comes home and he gives it to his son, Billy. And he's like, yeah, his name is like Mogwe, but I've been calling it Gizmo and it seems to like it. And let me tell you, Gizmo is the cutest little effing thing on the planet. (sighs) Yes. (laughs) Like, I just really, really want a Gizmo in my life. Target. Hold on. (laughs) There is a Gizmo Furby. See, Furbies freak me out, though. So... Mm. I went with the just like little stuffed version that I got at Target and he is super cute. He's super cute. I literally said that to Tara and she sent me a picture of her holding her gizmo. Yes. (laughs) But he's adorable. So Randall gives gizmo to Billy. Now, Billy is kind of like the responsible one in the family because Randall's obviously not doing too well and he has a job at a bank. And there's this like elderly lady in town. Her name is Mrs. Deagle and she's Mrs. Deagle asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she's, like, the worst person ever. It's, like, the Christmas season and, like, she's going into the bank and this lady's like, hey, you know, I just got a new job and my husband got a new job. Could we be a couple weeks late with our rent? It's Christmas time. And she's like, no. The bank and I are in the same business of making money. And it's like, you live in a small town. Be nice. Plus, it's a movie and it's Christmas. This lady doesn't like Billy's dog whose name is Barney. And basically she's like, if I catch it, I'm going to kill it. And I'm like, oh God. And she's a crazy cat lady. Let's just put this now. So basically at this point, Billy's dad, Randall is like, I'm going to take Barney and have Barney go stay at grandma's house. And I'm going to go to this convention, but here's your new pet. Here are the rules, you know, gives them like the no water, no bright lights, no sunlight, and don't feed it after midnight. And so for a while, that seems for a couple of days, everything seems to be going really good. Gizmo seems to really like Billy. They get along well. And then this little boy named Peter comes over and Peter's dad owns the tree lot. And he comes over and is like, oh, let me see Gizmo. And they're like playing around and he knocks over a container of brushes that has water in it. And it gets on Gizmo's backside and Gizmo shrieks in pain, which makes me mad because later in the movie, they put more water on him. And I'm like, Gizmo was already upset. And so with the amount of water, it produced five other little gremlins or mogways. And they're so cute and adorable, but they're kind of mischievous. They're not as nice as Gizmo. Gizmo's very kind and sweet and loving and his little spawns are like horrible and selfish, especially Striped Head. So Billy's like, I don't know what to do. So of course, what does he do? He takes them to see his former science teacher, Mr. Hansen, and is like, I don't know what's going on. So they're going to run tests. And he basically keeps, they do the whole reproduce thing. And Mr. Hansen keeps the reproduced one. And they're running tests and everything like that. But what ends up happening is, is the gremlins trick Billy into feeding them after midnight. And then they turn into these like weird ass pod things. They're in the pupil stage, like butterflies. And then when they hatch, they're full-fledged. They go from being the Mogwai to the gremlins, and they're creepy and gross and homicidal (laughs) and destructive. I mean, they even kill, like, the... 
the one that Mr. Hansen has kills him. Yeah. It kills him. And then the ones in the house try to kill Billy's mom. But Billy's mom is a badass. Because also you have to realize, like, around their house are all these, like, inventions that don't work. So I feel like there was, like, this blender thing. And she put one of them in there. And then she just, like, beat the crap out of most of them. But a few got out. And Stripe being one of them. And he goes to the local YMCA and jumps in the pool and basically spawns an entire army of gremlins. And they take over the whole town, which is, by the way, his name is um, Kingston Falls. And the, I like, like, Billy goes to the police station and is like, hey, Mr. Police Officers, there's something's happening. And they're like, mm-hmm, little fuzzy animals running around destroying things. Until they're out driving around and they literally see it, like, killing Santa. And they just roll up their window and drive away. Right. <laughs> they're like, nope, mm-mm, nope. Mm-mm, not today. Not today. My favorite part is that, which I think they should make a ride out of, I've, I thought about this is they should make a ride out of Mrs. Deagle's chairlift <gasps> because like so she's like she's this really rich lady who lives in this big ass house but she has one of those like chairlifts where you like the sit and shift where it like takes you up the stairs but because they are they wreak havoc with the mechanical things they rigged it to go really fast so it basically shot her out of the house I just thought it would be really fun. Oh my god, yeah. And there's so many, like, crazy things that happens. And there's, like, this girl named Kate who Billy likes. And then you find the story of when Billy, or when Kate was nine, her dad went down the chimney to, like, bring the presents down. And mind you, that part I'm watching when she's like, the reason I hate Christmas is because when I was nine, my dad disappeared. And then blah, blah, blah. We smelled something bad. And the fireman, we thought it was going to be a bird or a cat, but it was my dad. And I was like, um, your dad was not a smart man. Mm-mm. Not at all. He fell and broke his neck. The fuck you think was going to happen? Right. Like, n- no rope, no nothing. Most people who do that get stuck in there. Right. Oh, my God. So horrific. If you can hear the sound of my voice, don't think it's a good idea to go down your chimney. Yeah, please don't. Oh. Buy one of those, like, fake, like, uh, you can't see behind me, but I have, like, a drop. Backdrop <laughs> with a fireplace. Just buy one of these and cut a hole and pop out through there. Literally. Literally. <laughs> don't die. Please. Don't die. <laughs> yeah. You don't have flu powder. You can't travel through chimneys Mm-mm. and fireplaces. But anyway, one of my favorite parts of this movie is they try to go because it's going to be sun up soon. So they're like, where the hell do they all go? And they all go to the movie theater and they're watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And like this entire movie theater filled with gremlins are just singing and dancing along to the Hi Ho song. I was like, I love it. It was so great. I love this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, why the fuck have I never watched this? Literally. So then they end up like burning i'm pretty sure they burned down the movie theater with all of the gremlins in it except for stripe because stripe is an asshole and got out on his own because he ate the entire snack bar and then was like oh look the department store which is called Montgomery Ward, which is not around anymore, was across the street and he goes over there to eat the display candy. And so they go in there and there's this big fight. And basically they end up like Gizmo helps. He drives this cute little pink car. I'm like, oh, I just love Gizmo. And basically they knock Stripe into the sunlight and he ends up melting and he melts like pretty gross. Yeah. He melts like his bones melt. Anyway, so after that happens, the grandfather from the store shows up to get back Gizmo, which makes me sad, and basically yells at the dad and all of them for being careless and how it's basically the state of the Western civilization, which I was like, oh, shit, we're just getting, you know, shit on right now. (laughs) 
and that they weren't ready for the responsibility of Gizmo. But he says that Billy might be one day, which leads into Gremlins 2, which I have not watched yet. But is it a, is it also a Christmas movie? I've only seen that one like a couple times. I don't think so. All I remember is like it revolves around at his work. So I need to rewatch that one. It's been a minute since I've watched that one. I mainly like the first one, <laughs> but still watch it. But still watch it. You'll see the girl gremlin. Oh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I'll have to. Yeah, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, I am just super sad that I never watched it before yesterday and I'm 34. Well, now you got it. I know. I love it. So with that, I hope you all enjoyed our Christmas monsters. We're running out of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll know what's going to happen next year. We'll we'll have to get creative. Yeah, we're like next year. (laughs) There's like no we're going to have to find something else because we're running out of Christmas ones. Yes. So with that, we're going to sign off for today and we will see you back here on Thursday for a stabby. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.